Yes, that's right. We are back here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I am your host, Farzine Vasugian. Thank you, as always, for downloading and listening to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Got a great show for you guys lined up. uh, Talking Chiefs football, of course. Going to be previewing the matchup with the Chiefs and the Titans. And uh, kind of talking about some of the storylines that have developed uh, by the national media. The, The perception of the Chiefs moving into week 15 and uh, with the final stretch coming up here, uh, the home stretch, and and just the way the Chiefs are being viewed. Uh, Of course, they've had two of their last three games on national television, and there have been a lot of opinions on this Chiefs team. And the way people are looking at them, pretenders, contenders, you know, what kind of a football team are the Chiefs, and even some of the thoughts that Chiefs fans have have had about other teams, and I've had to say, hey, look, slow down here. So we're going to get into all of that in just a moment. You guys can interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine, or search my name, Farzine Vesugian, on Facebook. Give my Facebook page a like. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Farzine21 on Twitter. And also be sure you do subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just simply hit the subscribe button on iTunes and... Let a friend know about it. Spread the word. I always appreciate it when uh, you guys let someone else know about the Chiefs on podcast. All right, here's the thing with the, with the Chiefs. Obviously, the the way that they have won their football games, and I think so many Chiefs fans have been torn on this. And that I've got to say, that's probably been the topic that's dominated the season. The way they play it against the Chargers, and look, I mean, it, it's not the most ideal way, but. That kind of set the tone for the whole season. The loss against Texans, uh, I mean, that's a tough one. At the end of the season, if the Chiefs don't get a number one seed, or maybe if they don't win a division in this very tight race, that could be a loss that we look back at and think, man, I mean, if one thing could have gone Kansas City's way, especially from an offensive standpoint, they win that football game. Now, the Jets, the way they won that game with a myriad of turnovers... You're hoping to at least get more more offensive production with all those takeaways. Especially come postseason time, you're going to need to produce as much as possible in order to get the Super Bowl. And that's really the standard and the expectation. People here are talking about the possibility of the Chiefs going to a Super Bowl. The win against the Saints, great first half. Second half, uh, it was a little so-so. The Saints had a, a window of opportunity to come back late in the game. The Jaguars game, same thing. Jaguars rallied in the second half. And, of course, the Chiefs dealt with a lot of losses but still came away with a win. The Panthers game, that was a very unrealistic win. Uh, down 17-0 at halftime. The Panthers completely shut down in the second half. And, of course, Eric Berry... Gets the pick six and Ryan, or, uh, pardon me, Cairo Santos. <laughs> I was almost saying Ryan Suckup, who we will talk about on this podcast because he'll be coming back to Arrowhead later in this week as the Chiefs and Titans square off at Arrowhead. But uh, Cairo Santos got all the uh, the rest of the points besides Eric Berry's touchdown. Uh, the uh, I mean, the win against the, the Broncos, how unlikely that was. The way you won against the Falcons, which... I don't ever get tired of saying, but I'm still laughing every time I say this. You you won because the Falcons scored a touchdown. Like, that is why you won that football game. Uh, and then the, the, the game against the Raiders. If you told me the Chiefs were only going to score for one quarter, commit three turnovers, and not get a takeaway in this game, I would have said there's, there's no way the Chiefs win this football game. 
And I know the theme. The Chiefs have dominated for just one quarter in a lot of their wins. And that's the crazy thing about this football team is they are finding ways to win. Very unlikely, not very ideal ways to win, but you find ways to win. And at the end of the day, I think that's all that matters. I got a tweet from Squish on uh, on Twitter. Well, where else would I be, would I be getting a tweet from? Uh, Squish78, love that name. Uh, he sent me a tweet saying that, and he was referring to the Patriots game on Monday Night Football where they dominated the first half, kind of disappeared in the second half against the Baltimore Ravens, and he said, we can beat the Patriots team that played on Monday night. And I said, look, a lot of teams could. I think even if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, maybe if you're a blind homer, which you know I'm sure there are some Cleveland Browns Browns fans who who are like that. Every fan base has that. A lot of Chiefs fans are like that. There's no problem with that. Uh, but I think if you're a 49ers fan, a Browns fan, a Rams fan, I think even fans of some really bad teams look at that game and think. Maybe my team could squeeze out a win against the Patriots. That Patriots team. And here's my response. I think a lot of fans across the NFL look at the Kansas City Chiefs and say, Hey, look, if the Chiefs are going to commit three turnovers and score in only one of the uh, of the four quarters, we could certainly beat that team. Hey, listen, here's what's going to happen. Six teams from the AFC... Are going to make the playoffs. Since the six from the NFC, of course. These 12 teams that enter the postseason, they all are beatable football teams. We've seen number one teams make it to the Super Bowl. We've seen number six teams win the whole thing. So, you know, seeding doesn't mean a whole lot. Home field advantage, yeah, it's great. But at the end of the day, that's never guaranteed either. I mean, the Chiefs have had some home games over the years at Arrowhead, but think how long it's been since the Chiefs have won a postseason game at Arrowhead. So all the activity, I mean, that you see from these teams, and again, I think as Chiefs fans, we get so caught up, we forget that other teams are like this. The Patriots haven't been, who, you know, they might be the best team in the NFL going into January. A lot of teams may not realize this. Yeah, Tom Brady, he's great and all, even without Gronk. But even then, the Patriots have some cracks. And if the right team prepares the right way, you're going to be able to find these cracks. And listen, I mean, you can give me give me the best head coach in NFL history, past or present. And if we could talk to that head coach right now and let's assume that we we have 12 teams ready for the playoffs he can give you a weakness to all 12 teams and prove how they're beatable so listen i mean the patriots no they 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 didn't look pretty on monday night football the chiefs did not look pretty on thursday night last week i mean that's not the most ideal way to win a football game you didn't i mean the chiefs haven't scored uh, offensively in the second half in their last two games against the Falcons and the Raiders. The way that the Chiefs are winning their football games, though, I mean, there's no asterisk for 
horrible wins or almost losing. You get a win or you get a loss. Or, as we've seen a couple times this year, and almost happening to the Chiefs at one point, you get a tie. So, we can talk about how the Patriots look beatable, but the Chiefs are just as beatable as anyone else. Now, here's a scary thing. Because the Chiefs look so beatable, they haven't been beaten a whole lot this year. Only three times. And I think that's what makes Kansas City a big threat because the way the way that they are finding these opportunities to squeeze out a win, very unlikely. And we haven't seen an NFL team do the things that they've been able to do. Now, I will say in defense, uh, you know, the rule of being able to score uh, I mean, being able to take an interception or fumble back on a two-point conversion attempt, that rule hasn't been around for a long time. So things like that. I mean, yes, we have seen some teams this year score on an attempted two-point conversion, but not the way how the Chiefs took the lead by a pick two, so to say. We haven't necessarily seen that from from other teams. You know, being down by eight, in the late stages of the fourth quarter and then tying the game and you know people say it's a game of inches Tyreek Hill barely getting in the end zone and then Demetrius Harris gets the two-point score against Chris Harris who almost never allows a touchdown and I get it that was not a touchdown but but that was a score Chris Harris doesn't allow guys to get uh, receptions in the end zone he just doesn't we rarely see him allow that, and the Chiefs go to a tight end who's kind of been a liability during his time in Kansas City. You know, as a ba- and being a backup, it, it, it was just you kind of cringe when you see it being thrown in, at his direction, but he still caught it against a top-notch cornerback. And of course, we all know what happened in overtime with the. Both teams scoring a field goal, and then the Broncos giving the Chiefs great field position because they missed a long field goal, and the Chiefs barely uh, getting their field goal in to avoid a tie and a loss. So all these ways the Chiefs are winning. To me, I, I don't have a big problem with it because, first and foremost, as a fan of sports, this is the most exciting football team in the NFL this year. No question about it. The unpredictability, the surprise that we get from this team, it puts us on the edge of our seats. You know, if we're at home, we're, we're pacing around. <laughs> we can't sit tight on the couch. Uh, this is a Chiefs team that, uh, as close as we are to getting a heart attack, let's just say it the way it is. They are the most exciting team. They are a fun team to watch this year. And I know I've been drawing all these comparisons just across the street with the Kansas City Royals at the Truman Sports Complex, but how many times did we think the Royals were going to lose their games only for them to come back? I still remember uh, uh, Matt Miller, who uh, I, a friend of the podcast, I've had him on the show a couple of times, hopefully we can have him again sometime, uh, on his Facebook, he actually uh, said, uh, I'm not going to lie, I already reached out to friends to see who wants to go to Game 6, because... Uh, the Royals were trailing 2-0 in the bottom of, of the ninth in Game 5. So uh, just the way that we've seen some of these intense sports games, and not just at Arrowhead, but at Kauffman too from the Royals. So uh, as sports fans uh, here in Kansas City, and I, again, I know not, not everyone is a Royals fan that's listening to this podcast, but a majority of you are. 
you've got to appreciate the excitement that we have seen after a long drought of really just tough seasons of sports here in Kansas City. And I know not a lot of people are into soccer, but the way Sporting KC won their uh, MLS Cup, their championship in 2013, uh, going into penalty kicks and how long that took. I mean, normally, I mean, they allow five penalty kicks because they feel like that's enough, but they even went to, I don't know the soccer term for this, I mean, extra penalty kicks. I mean, they had to add another set of five to that. The, the way that, I think as sports fans, yeah, sure, we love the 49 nothing victories. Uh, of course, the 41-14 victory over the Patriots I mean, that was domination that nobody expected. So in moments like that, yeah, sure, you, you you like moments like that because you just pretty much destroyed the best team in football in the past 17 years. So you, you, you'll, you'll, that's just as exciting for, for a fan base like the Chiefs, who, of course, we're all celebrating the winning side of that. But even then, uh, again, the, the wins against the Broncos, the Falcons... Uh, the Raiders, uh, and not just that, knowing that the Raiders have been one of the more prolific offenses in the NFL this year and how the Chiefs have limited them in those two games has been very impressive. The Chargers game to start off the season. And again, I'll say this, people want to talk about, and when I say people, I'm referring to Chiefs fans who are being more pessimistic. I guess you could say there are, let's see, the Chargers game, the Panthers game, and the, the Broncos game. I'll even throw the Raiders game in there because the Chiefs scored for just one quarter. I guess you could say there were four games that the Chiefs, quote-unquote, had no business winning. Okay. Well, at this point, to me, being 10-3 and three is a lot better than being what? 6-7? and seven? Being below 500, essentially? I mean, those four games could be huge difference makers as to where the Chiefs place in the AFC West. And maybe that Texans loss, that could come back to hurt them. Hopefully not. But as of right now, uh, the, the Chiefs are in great position. They're 4-0 in the AFC West, 2-0 over the Raiders who are tied first place with them. And obviously, Kansas City earns the tiebreaker right there. So it just shows you how crucial these division wins are. And crazy enough... And I know that, you know, we're now in a place that we're, we're not used to seeing a whole lot. We haven't had this since 2003 where the Chiefs want that number one seed. We find ourselves in a position rooting for Denver this week against the New England Patriots. I mean, it all comes for full circle the way it works out. I mean, you want to beat your own uh, div- divisional foes, but... Then you end up having to root for them at some point. So that's what you're getting with the Broncos facing a non-AFC opponent in the Patriots, who, uh, as of right now, they are the only roadblock ahead of the Chiefs in the AFC standings. Now, I was listening to Fox Sports Radio, Jason McIntyre hosting on a, on a Saturday, and they were asking if the Chiefs are pretenders or contenders, and he said they were pretenders for the reasons that I I brought up with the, 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 the those games, that they have barely been able to clench out a win look and again i'll say what i just said multiple times not just on this episode of the chiefs on podcast but previous episodes find there's nothing wrong with finding so many different ways to win football games i think if anything number one it just shows the predictability of your football team number two 
with Andy Reid as your head coach, this football team will always battle until the final second. And I think those two facts right there make the Chiefs a very dangerous team going into the postseason. And really, I, I, I think the Chiefs are a team that a lot of fans wouldn't want to go up against. Maybe, uh, maybe excluding New England because they've always been the they've always been the team that you don't necessarily. I mean, if they're on your schedule, you're kind of nervous that you don't even win that football game because you know it's going to be Tom Brady. You know the Patriots are always going to be high double digit win teams each season. I do want to touch on Pro Football Focus because. Uh, they released a very interesting list of their top 10 rated rookies for 2016. And I do want to mention 610 Sports Radio, and of course, the Chiefs essentially having a bye week because they played on Thursday Night Football. Uh, There hasn't been a lot of Chiefs news early in the week, so uh, they threw out an interesting hypothetical out there. They said, if the Rams, who fired Jeff Fisher, if the Rams wanted Andy Reid and they were willing to offer Jared Goff and two first-round picks, would you accept that deal? And I say absolutely not. It sounds pretty nice. You know, you get a first-round pick in Jared Goff. Maybe you can develop him into something. And then you get, guess what? Two more first-round draft picks. I say absolutely no to that. And I'll tell you why. I feel like there's way too much made about draft placement. I really do. I know as young kids, you know, you look at the sport and you're you're thinking, all right, you know, I'd rather my team lose out because we we want better draft placement in uh, in 2017. When in reality, draft placement doesn't mean anything. We have seen a lot of number one overall guys get picked up and. They don't do much throughout their careers. Jamarcus Russell, very famous for that. Here in Kansas City, unfortunately, we have we have seen some top 10 guys get drafted and not do anything. Ryan Sims, very famous for that. Uh, I'll even go to I'll even go to this. The Chiefs for 3 years in a row had a top 5 pick where they took Glenn Dorsey in 2008, Tyson Jackson in 2009 with the 3rd overall pick and then Eric Berry in 2010. Only one of those draft picks ended up be, being a great pick. In fact, only one of them is still with the Chiefs. Dorsey and Jackson have moved on. The Chiefs took Marcus Peters in last year's draft, a guy who fell out of the first round. Almost fell out of the first round, I should say. The Chiefs didn't even have a first round pick this year. And Pro Football Focus has not one, but two Kansas City Chiefs players on their top 10 rookie list. Chris Jones and Tyreek Hill. So listen, uh, and we can go on and on. I mean, Tom Bahali, Derek Johnson, they've evolved into some of the best players in their positions, and they weren't top 10 picks. Uh, Jamal Charles, Justin Houston, Jared Allen, Dante Hall. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, we, we could go on for a while. I know Chris Conley is a guy that a lot of Chiefs fans are still holding out hope for. He had a great combine. There are a lot of great players who the Chiefs have drafted over the years, and they have gone 
They, I mean, they, they were basically drafted outside of the first round, even second rounds. The Chiefs have been very fortunate in the third round the past 15 years. I mean, they've really found some some great football players in that round for whatever reason. So to me, at the end of the day, I would never give up Andy Reid for two first-round draft picks who, listen, at the end of the day, you never know if those guys are even going to pan out. If anything, I think Andy Reid would be a little upset not to have Jared Goff because he's a guy that maybe he could develop into a good football player. Look at Alex Smith. I mean, he had good seasons with the 49ers, but ever since he came to Kansas City, his statistics have been at an all-time high, way better than he's ever had in San Francisco. Jamal Charles, the statistics he had, the best of his career coming under Andy Reid. And you look at some of the players that they've been able to find in the draft. I know Eric Fisher, not necessarily the most exciting pick, especially with the number one uh, overall spot. But, you know, I mean, that, that, that just tended to be, look, it was just a weak draft class. Uh, but even then, he's been able to pan out. I, he's developed and played very well for the Chiefs the past year and a half. Tyreek Hill, a guy who they got in the fifth round. Uh, yeah, of course, he had that uh, off-the-field incident, but... Uh, he's turned it up. I mean, if we had to do this year's class, if we had to redo that, which I know is too way too soon for that discussion, but if we did, Chris Jones and Tyreek Hill are both going in the top 10 and probably don't even end up in Kansas City at that point, knowing what we know now. So at the end of the day, I would never take a pair of first-round picks just to give up a, a good player or a coach. And listen, you know, more specifically, Andy Reid... I think he's a the reason I would never even want him to go for all the draft picks in the world. Andy Reid is a big reason why some of these players have developed into all stars. I mean, Chris Jones, the way he's playing, I think you've got to give Andy Reid and his staff a lot of credit. And plus, if you lose Andy Reid, you're probably going to lose a lot of people on this coaching staff too. They're all going to want to follow him so they can continue their 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 scheme under his system, under his guidance. I think a lot of times in college football is so popular with, uh, I mean, some of the great athletes we see in college football, but their college skill sets don't always translate into success in the NFL. And I, I think part of it is the style that they play in college versus the NFL where they play a completely different system that they just weren't prepared for. But I think a bigger reason why is who they're coached by. And let's face it, a lot of these great players we see in college football they get drafted early, which means you end up getting drafted by bad teams. And let's be honest, the reason those teams are bad, the coaching staff is probably a big reason why. So you don't have that great support when you go to that team. Whereas with Andy Reid, you know, you draft in the in the 20s. Sure, I mean, you, you may not have been the Heisman candidate or expected to be a, a top five pick at your position, but... At the end of the day, Andy Reid is your head coach, and his coaching staff will do what they need to do to develop you into a great football player. So again, I mean, you you can give me all the first-round draft picks in the world. I want a head coach that knows how to develop football players, and Andy Reid can do that without first-round draft picks. He's, I mean, really, a, a Chris Jones and Ty, Tyree Kill is obviously the best punt returner in the NFL right now, and he's labeled as the fastest league in the the fastest player in the league right now Chris Jones 
I mean, I, I'm, I would have been curious to see how he would have done all 16 games if he started since week one, which, again, at his position and where he got drafted, you've got to be a little patient with that. So I think next year we'll, we'll have a better understanding. But I think if Chris Jones played all 16 games, he would be considered a top five guy at, 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 as far as a 3-4 defensive end goes. So there are a lot of things that go into you know, it's drafting, and yeah, sure, you can have, you know, what, 12 draft picks, which the Chiefs had in 2008, a lot of those guys didn't have a lot of success under Herm Edwards and Todd Haley, but when Andy Reid got here, guess what, Brandon Flowers became a pro bowler, Brandon Albert became a pro bowler, Jamal Charles, yes, he was still good under Herm Edwards and Andy Reid, but he actually became the best that he could be under Andy Reid. I, I think I make my, 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 my case here. There's no way I would ever give up Andy Reid for a big-name player or, or a draft pick because, yeah, I mean, sure, uh, there are teams that want a big-name head coach, and I think teams may even try to contact Andy Reid to try to, like the St. Louis Rams for, for 2017, but uh, I, I definitely would not give that up. Uh, I think Andy Reid... Ever since the the Chiefs let go of Scott Pioli and ended that regime, uh, I truly do believe out of any player or coach, Andy Reid has been the best acquisition ever since the Chiefs franchise has been revamped. He, he just has. You have finished above 500 for four consecutive seasons. That has not happened since the mid to late 90s when Marty Schottenheimer was your head coach. So almost 20 years that has not happened. And again, all that credit goes to Andy Reid. So uh, you are going to have to sweeten the deal up. I mean, you would have to essentially get what? The best player at every position in the NFL in order for me to want to give up Andy Reid, which obviously is a very unrealistic thing to ask for. Point being, you just don't give up the best head coach, one of the best head coaches, I should say, but, he, but, but let's say this. He is one of the best in developing players. He really is. And you don't ever, ever give that up for any amount of draft picks. Let's break down this match between the Chiefs and the Titans. And I'll tell you what. Uh, this is a game where both teams have a lot to fight for. Both teams are leading their divisions. The Titans leading the AFC South and the Chiefs leading the AFC West. A loss for either team could result in losing their first place spot in the in, in their divisions. And now for the for the Chiefs, they have a lot more to, to, to play for. They've also got the number one seed that they want. They want home field advantage. Whereas the Titans, uh, I mean, there's no there's no wild card for Tennessee. That'd be very unlikely. I mean, the, for Tennessee, it's win the division. So they need this win just as bad as Kansas City does. I mean, the Chiefs, if they win, they're in the playoffs. So. This isn't necessarily a do-or-die deal for the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs could even lose this game and still make it to the playoffs. So uh, even then, I mean, even if the Chiefs lose out, which hopefully not, uh, but even if they do, the the odds of them missing the playoffs are extremely unlikely. So uh, one and two is enough for the Chiefs to make it into the into the playoffs, but not enough to win that division. You've got to win out for the Chiefs and. Got to keep it rolling this week against Tennessee, and and I'll tell you what their offense with Marcus Mariota, and of course he's all he's a, he's the household name in Tennessee, drafted number one overall uh, last year. 
Uh, I mean, he's the guy that this football team that they're trying to build around. And under a new coaching staff, this Titans football team has definitely played a lot better. Uh, Mariota, 25 touchdowns, 8 picks this year, has a 99.1 quarterback rating for the Titans this year. And DeMarco Murray, who uh, really just, uh, uh, he, he was outstanding with the Dallas Cowboys, went over to Philadelphia, uh, things just completely turned around for him, went over to Tennessee, and he has seen a lot more success this year than he did with Philadelphia. 1,135 yards, that's the second best in the NFL, he's got nine rushing touchdowns on the season, and he's also got a really good supporting cast and guys like Derrick Henry and Kendall Wright, who have uh, also been running the football. And Marcus Mariota is a guy who who also rushes the football as well. He he likes to scramble at times, and uh, he he's got a pair of touchdowns on the ground doing so. The passing game, not necessarily a lot of threats through the air in the passing game. You've got Rashard Matthews who has. 695 yards. Right behind them, Delaney Walker, 687 yards. So, I mean, I mean, those two guys, they're the top two pass catchers on the football team, but they score a lot through the air as well. The Titans, for Matthews, he's got seven touchdowns on the season. Walker has six. And by the way, this is a football team that once they have the football, they don't ever let it go. And once they catch it, uh, the only fumble comes from Delaney Walker among all the pass catchers on the football team. So that just shows you how good this football team is through the air. And DeMarco Murray, I mentioned his nine touchdowns. He's also got three more through the air. So he's also been a threat in the passing game for the Tennessee Titans. Not necessarily in the way that uh, maybe Jamal Charles has been for the Chiefs in their passing game under Andy Reid since he's gotten here. But he's still been able to to do some stuff and be productive in a way for the Titans in that category. Oh, by the way, it is worth noting, not only is Ryan Suckup making his return to Kansas City, but so is a quarterback by the name of Matt Castle for the uh, for the Titans. Uh, he, he has a 100% completion percentage. 10 yards, 1 of 1 passing, so he's also got a 108.3 passer rating. That is the best on the Titans, but that means absolutely nothing when all, when all you've done is just throw one pass all year. <laughs> But, uh, no, no, I mean, best wishes to Matt Cass. I mean, nothing against him. The last year and a half were just brutal with him. Uh, but, but look, yeah, I mean, he is the last quarterback to lead you to an AFC West title. Uh, so, uh, he, I mean, that cannot uh, go unforgotten. I, I mean, he did bring some joy to this town uh, for a little bit, uh, despite not being able to have the career that uh, he was expected to have, at least by the, by the main regime of uh, Pioli and Haley at the time. So overall, this is an offense that is going to be very difficult to stop against the run. Uh, I mean, this is a Chiefs team that hasn't been very good in stopping the run. So DeMarco Murray is a guy who's going to go out there and, uh, I mean, it'd be silly for 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 the Titans to not go run heavy in this football game, especially with Marcus Mariota and what he's been able to do this year with Justin Houston back. That could change things. Justin Houston has been really good in helping the Chiefs in stopping the run. He's already ranked one of the best graded pass rushers in the NFL this season on pro football focus. Also just one of the best overall linebackers too. So, uh, I mean, this is a guy who the Chiefs will need help from. And when it comes to third down, trying to stop the Titans on a third and short situation, if they try to go to that, but also got to be careful play action, especially with a guy like Mariota, who's very versatile. And this is where the creativity comes from Tennessee. And 
maybe just how how they try to open up the field a little bit on this Chiefs team, which we also know has not been very good on third down. So you look at their, I mean, I mean their coaching staff, Mike Marlocker, of course, the head coach and offensive coordinator, Teddy Rubisky. Uh, those are two guys who, who are definitely preparing and game planning in every way possible to make sure that they can move the football on this Chiefs defense, which is a very doable thing. The tough task is, is going to be how to score on this Chiefs team. Because as much as the Chiefs give up yards, they don't allow as many points. And I think that's where the Titans are, are struggling to see how, how do we find this crack. I, like I said earlier, there are ways to beat all of the 12 teams that will be playing in the playoffs this year and even in years past. But this Chiefs team, where do you find that crack in? Uh, I mean, that's a job for that coaching staff to figure out. Switching of coaches, uh, switching over to the defensive side, uh, one of the more respectable defensive coaches in the game of football, Dick LeBeau, of course, was with the Pittsburgh Steelers for a very long time. Uh, has some of the best defenses there uh, with with the Steelers. Uh, has a very good de- you know, I don't know if I'd say very good, but you've got some very good players. The defense itself, as a cohesive unit, not necessarily in uniform, hasn't necessarily been as successful. Uh, but I'll start with Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan, your, your two pass rushers who combined for 19 sacks. Brian Arakpo has 10 sacks on the season. He's, I mean, he had a couple of good years with the Washington Redskins coming out of Texas, uh, a player, of course, in Big 12 country we were fairly familiar with. But Brian Arakpo, uh, he, he has not had double-digit sacks since, I believe, his rookie season. If I'm not mistaken, he did have... 11 sacks uh, during his rookie season. Again, uh, former Longhorn. Uh, but he, he did have a 10-sack season uh, mistake there in 2013. So just uh, look that up real quickly. But overall, not a lot of success for Brian Arakpo. I mean, he had a couple of really low-key seasons and injuries played a role in that. But uh, he's having the best season he's ever had. And look, like I said with Andy Reid, a big reason why Brian Arakpo was doing so well is because of his defensive coordinator, his coach in Dick LeBeau. When you have the right guys guiding you, you're going to play at your best. You're going to play at your potential. And that's what we're seeing with Brian Arakpo playing under Dick LeBeau. Same thing with uh, all these Chiefs players who I've mentioned over the years and just how they're doing. And you look at Derek Morgan for for the Titans uh, playing in his seventh year out of Georgia Tech. He's got nine sacks on the season, looking at his career, he's never even had come close to nine sacks. He has had six and a half sacks twice with the Titans. Drafted in the first round, uh, the Titans have been patient in waiting for him to reach his potential. He finally does it under Dick LeBeau. So we, we're we starting to see more and more in this podcast. And I just kind of thought about that when I saw that uh, hypothetical that 610 Sports threw out there. You just don't give up a value valuable head coach or or an assistant coach they're so hard to come by you can replace players sure but you can replace them if you have the coach and the and the staff that can guide them and help them develop into a great football player that's what guys like Andy Reid does Dick LeBeau same so many guys in this league we saw it with Charlie Weiss here in Kansas City in 2010 not to get off topic again but uh, I mean, he turned Matt Castle and Dwayne Bowe into big-time pro bowlers. And we haven't seen them have the same success ever since Charlie Weiss left. As far as defensive backs go for the Tennessee Titans, Parrish Cox, who played for the Detroit Lions for a while, 
Uh, he leads the team with three interceptions. Bryce McCain and Jason McCourty, they have a pair of picks this season. No defensive touchdowns for the Titans this season. So uh, it's kind of weird because you look at Kansas City with five defensive scores. That's the most in the NFL, and that is where Kansas City has really been successful the most. Real quickly, looking at special teams, Mark Mariani, the main return specialist for the Titans. Uh, no touchdowns on the season. Kind of a, he's your average return man, so nothing too special in that category for the Titans. Ryan Suckup, very familiar with him. I still think the Chiefs made the right move in picking uh, in, in going with Cairo Santos and letting Suckup go. Maybe not early on, but Suckup has only missed two field goals out of 20, both of them coming from 50 yards away. So uh, when you have something like that with your kicker, uh, that's when you know that you have one of the best kickers in the league. So we're going to have two really good field goal kickers going at it this week. And by the way, I didn't mention this. Uh, we talked about Eric Berry and Dontari Poe being free agents. Cairo Santos is another guy who the Chiefs are going to need to make a decision on because he's someone who's really come through for the Chiefs lately. Uh, you know, Especially in that Panthers game, the, the Broncos game. Uh, this is someone who's really helped your football team out when the offense wasn't able to to get a touchdown, but he's he's come through to at least help you get some sort of points and eventually translate that into wins. I want to go back to the key pass rushers for the Titans. Arakbo and Morgan, because... They're gonna. I mean, they're gonna come. Dick Lebeau's gonna do it, and Andy Reid and his staff know about it. They're going to blitz, and they are going to try to put Alex Smith under a lot of pressure. Here's where Alex Smith is gonna excel. Pro Football Focus put out a tweet here. It's Steve Palazzolo. If I'm not, I hope I pronounced it correctly. Uh, he put out a, a screenshot of quarterbacks and how they do, uh, what their passer rating is against the blitz. Alex Smith has the third best passer rating against a blitz in the NFL. He's got a 111 flat QB rating just behind Matt Ryan, who has a 112.8 rating, and Tom Brady at number one, who has a 134.2 rating. So that's Alex Smith, the third best, and right behind him is Dak Prescott and Matthew Stafford. As good as those pass rushers are, and Alex Smith has, oddly enough, shown uh, some struggles against pass rushers, but that's also where he could excel. Yeah, I mean, the, the the pass rush will come, but you know Alex Smith is going to find that quick pass to Tyreek Hill or Chris Conley. Now that you have Jeremy Macklin back, he's also a viable option. And then you, all, you also can't forget about Travis Kelsey, who, you know, with Gronk now out, Kelsey could easily be the best tight end in the NFL right now. So even though you have two guys in Morgan and Arakba who are probably both going to finish with double-digit sacks and both should be voted into the Pro Bowl, I mean, they're not a duo that that is being talked about a whole lot nationally, uh, which they should be, and more importantly, they will be all pro players. I mean, they, they have to be. But even so, I think Alex Smith and the Chiefs offensive line, which has really improved uh, this year under Andy Reid, they'll find a way to give Alex Smith just enough time to get rid of the football and help the Chiefs move the chains. And I think that passing game is going to be beneficial for the Chiefs. 
especially if they can take care of the football, which they did not do against the Raiders last week when they had those three three turnovers. Two of them, of course, came on offense. One of them was on special teams, but still, Tyreek Hill is an offensive player, so it almost kind of feels like you had three of, three of those turnovers come on offense. But I will say this. This Titans team is not very good against the pass. 31st against the pass. And I'll tell you what. You've, I know the Chiefs, when they face Denver, a very weak run-stopping de- run defense, the Chiefs didn't exploit that. Still found a way to win that football game. But I think in this game, especially a hungry team like the Titans who are looking to stay in the lead in the, in the AFC South, they're going to they're gonna want to do what they can to blitz as fast as possible and get to Alex Smith. So the Chiefs have got to utilize that passing game and find a way to come through. Uh, you know, it, it could be those dinks and dunks. I know it's not the most exciting football, but... Listen, even then, you've still seen Alex Smith go for those deep passes. Don't, don't forget those passes to Chris Conley and one of them to Tyreek Hill. That, turned, that was the first touchdown for the Chiefs in that game. So I've got a lot of confidence in Alex Smith and being able to go out there and not only move the football, but find a way to continue throwing out those deep passes and successfully connecting uh, Jeremy Macklin, I know he wasn't in his normal form in his first game back, which that can always take a while. We saw the same thing with Justin Houston earlier this year. It was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then against in the Broncos, which was his second game. That's where he really turned it up and came alive. So I think Jeremy Macklin, he can be a factor in this game. So keep an eye on Jeremy Macklin. I, I've got him as a key player for the Chiefs, someone who will come through and maybe give Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Not, not that they're going to go you know, unnoticed in this game. I still think they'll have a couple of catches, but let's let someone else go out there and uh, kind of carry the the team a little bit. So I, I, I think we should expect uh, several passes uh, targeted towards Jeremy Macklin in this football game from Alex Smith. Now, with Derek Johnson out, of course, a huge loss for the Kansas City Chiefs. Oddly enough, no roster placement movement yet for Derek Johnson uh, which has been reported out there by uh, multiple beat writers. Uh, something could come soon. Uh, who knows at this point? But uh, obviously, Derek Johnson is not going to play. So this Chiefs defense will need some help against the run, and it could be a long day for this defense. I think Demarco Murray and Marcus Mariota are going to have a field day against this Chiefs rush defense. So that is where this Chiefs team is going to struggle. And look, you didn't have a turnover. Last week, so you're definitely overdue for a big one this week. So I think the Chiefs, even though they'll give up a lot of yards, especially on the ground, they're going to come away with a couple of picks in this football game. Maybe maybe you'll force a fumble too and try to go out there and maybe allow a lot of yards but not allow a lot of scores from the Titans team. So got to go out there and force some takeaways. The Chiefs really will need that in this football game. Uh, because this is a very great Titans offense, especially running the football. Marcus Mariota, uh, of course, a huge transition from year one to year two. You see it with a lot of quarterbacks in this league. You can say that about every player, but that quarterback position, of course, uh, a, a very special position. So that's where you see that big difference in Mariota from year one to year two, the way he takes care of the football. And if the Chiefs can go out there and apply pressure on him with D. Ford, Holly, and Houston, uh, of, of course, we know Chris Jones and Dontari Poe, they can do a lot up front in the middle of that defensive line, that, that front seven right there. Uh, if they can put pressure on Mariota, 
that's where he could struggle and and be a little careless with the football. And that's where that Chiefs defense, they'll get a, a break or two that they need in coming up with some takeaways and hopefully giving the Chiefs an opportunity, uh, something that they haven't taken advantage of much this year with these takeaways. Got to take advantage of it this time. And here's the thing. The Titans aren't necessarily a great football team, but they're leading their division. And I think a lot of times timing can even play a role. And what I mean by that is the Titans have three, just like everyone else in the league, have three games left. And in a very tight AFC South race, I think uh, hunger plays a role. They want to stay ahead and that'll be that'll be a key for them. Just having that killer mentality to try to go on the road and pull off a big upset and stay ahead in, in their division race. So the Chiefs know that they're a team that they're coming in with a, a lot to lose. I mean, if they fall in this, if the Titans fall in this football game, this, uh, who knows? I mean, still a couple of weeks left, a very, very tight race, but uh, there's a little margin for error for a lot of teams. And same goes for the Chiefs, who are trying to vie for that number one seed, home field advantage. So I think when you consider with what the Titans are really good at, with their strengths, and also the fact that they are coming in wanting to win this game to stay ahead in the AFC South race, I think they can cause some trouble. I I think they can do some damage against this Chiefs football team. I don't think it's going to be enough, however. I do think this game does go to overtime, but I think the Chiefs do pull out another narrow win. It's going to be an overtime. I'm picking the Chiefs to win kind of a low-scoring game. I'm going to say 17-14 Kansas City. Uh, The Titans do give up some points, but we haven't seen the Chiefs necessarily light up the scoreboard. So until they can prove me otherwise, until they show it, I'm not going to predict the Chiefs to go out there and have a a huge game uh, offensively, even against a 31st-ranked pass defense like the Titans. I still think the Chiefs, uh, may find themselves struggling at some points where, where they are not able to execute. So at the end of the day, I think the defense and maybe even special teams will do enough to help the Chiefs stay ahead in this football game. So 17-14 overtime win. That's my prediction for the Chiefs. As always, I love the interaction with you guys on social media. Please like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine and follow me on Twitter at Farzine 21 talk to me before the game during the game after the game I always love interacting with you guys I'll read some of your posts on the podcast next week uh no word yet on next week whether or not I'm going to do one or two podcasts because of Christmas week yes of course Christmas is on a Sunday so uh we may end up doing two podcasts not exactly sure quite yet uh we may have two podcasts both of them that will probably come earlier in the week so Uh, The preview might be a little bit different since uh, it it is going to be sooner rather than later in the week for next week. But nonetheless, we will still have a podcast next week after the Chiefs and the Titans matchup. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Let a buddy know about it. Tell them. Spread the word. Until then, I'll talk to you next week.